Live around the globe, it's time for Rudy Max's World on the SSI Radio Network. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, bare man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Get on the phone now and call 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Email the program at info at rudymaxa.com or follow us on Facebook at Rudy Max's World. And now, America's number one travel radio show, Rudy Max's World. Welcome back to We Can Put It One Other Way, America's most widely syndicated radio travel show. I am Rudy Maxa, travel journalist and your genial radio show host. I invite you to become a subscriber to my free travel newsletter. I send it out sporadically. I try it for every week. Don't always hit that mark, but don't worry. It's free, so you're not, not being ripped off in any way. You won't be inundated, but I write it personally. Try to include a couple of tips in each issue that will save you some money and maybe give you a few ideas of interesting things to do. All you have to do is text Rudy Max's World, all one word, to 22828. All right, let's get down to this hour's business. Coming up, if you're anywhere near Seattle, and let me digress a moment to welcome one of our newest stations, Cairo, K-I-R-O, in Seattle. Nice to have you aboard. If you're near Seattle and you're listening to Cairo, take a break and don't miss a mid-March celebration of travel-related films to be presented at the Seattle Jewish Film Festival. More on that in a moment. And maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe you've taken a cab ride in, say, New York City, and when you paid for your ride with a credit or debit card, you were shown on a screen various choices and percentages of tips to add on. Just hit, hit, hit one of the buttons and it works. Or your restaurant bill comes with an easy-to-read list of various tips at various percentages, so you don't have to do the math. Well, you're probably tipping more than you normally would, says my guest at 18 after the hour, Nir Ayal. He's a specialist into how technology can trick you into tipping more. You won't want to miss this conversation. And David Susi is a CNN safety analyst who was on the network frequently in the wake of the disappearance of Malaysia Flight 370. He's got a new book out, just came out this week, called Malaysia Airlines Flight 370, Why It Disappeared and Why It's Only a Matter of Time Before This Happens Again. Yikes. If you see a jar of honey for sale at an airport gift shop, that honey may have come from bees who live just off the airport's runway. New York Times correspondent Daniel Berteau reveals why airports make great homes for bees. And you probably already know that St. Patrick's Day weekend also marks the start of the annual Rocky Mountain Oyster Fry, otherwise known as the Testicle Festival in, Virgi Festival, excuse me, in Virginia City, Nevada. We're going to visit with one of the weekend's organizers toward the end of the hour. First, quick look at some of this uh, week's news and travel. Well, the nation's two largest ride-sharing services, Uber and Lyft, are both in fundraising mode to fuel their rapid growth. Both are asking investors to do something very unusual. They aren't allowing their investors to invest in any competitors. And before either company will show big investors their books, those possible angels have to sign an agreement that they won't invest in rivals for six months to a year. Uber, of course, is the king of the hill with a valuation of $41 billion. That's billion, $41 billion. If Lyft succeeds in its current effort to raise $250 million, it'll be valued at $2 billion. Not bad in itself. Well, it's raining Four Seasons hotels all along the South Florida oceanfront. For 20 years, the Four Seasons flag was planted only in Palm Beach. And in building that hotel, the owner got Four Seasons to agree not to let anyone else build any other Four Seasons along the Atlantic coast for 40 years. But a real estate investor named Nadam Ashi really wanted to put a Four Seasons on Miami Beach. So he convinced the owner of the Palm Beach property to sell his hotel to him. He scrapped that 40-year deal. Eventually, the owner did sell it. Now Ashi's building a hotel. He owns the Palm Beach one now, of course. And he's also building one on Miami Beach. And he's planning a third in Fort Lauderdale. 
He's reportedly going to be asking $1,000 for a night stay in the Miami Beach Four Seasons. I bet during the hot, humid summer season, that rate will drop closer to three or 400. Joining me on the show is Pamela Levitt. She's the director of the Seattle Film Festival that is celebrating its 20th anniversary. Uh, the Seattle Jewish Film Festival, I should say, that's celebrating its 20th anniversary from March 14th to the 22nd. Of note, coming up, are four features involving travel, one involving a love affair, another an attempt to donate baseball equipment to Cuba. Another, well, why don't I let Pamela explain? Nice to have you on the show, Pamela. Welcome. Thank you for having me. All right, so this is a Jewish film festival, and these films have something to do with with Jewish personalities, characters, or places, but they're also travel movies, aren't they? They are in the sense that, you know, Jewish life is global and it is very much about a history of moving between countries. And so what we're doing this year is we're celebrating the variety of those countries. So it's here, there and everywhere. Are, so we're featuring films from Iraq, basically from Africa to Uruguay. And you've pointed out a few for Iraq, Cuba, France and others. Can you give me a 15-second pricey of the four that uh, I know have uh, are specifically about travel? Well, Havana Curveball is a unique film, and it's great for families because it shows how kids can also travel. Uh, it's a film about a boy who, for his bar mitzvah, decides to do good in the world and travel to Cuba, where that country gave his grandfather refuge when he was a refugee from World War II Germany. And so he travels back to Cuba trying to figure out a way to help out the kids there in terms of baseball. So it's really a baseball story, but it's a story about intergenerational travel to that country for very different reasons. And that's called um, Havana Curveball. How about Hannah's that's Journey? Called Hannah this Journey is a wonderful film, really about the next generation, both from Germany and Israel. And, um, you know, many of people know that Israel was a country that people fled to during World War II, but it also has become a place where a lot of people from other countries go to, to work and spend time. And especially it's the 50th anniversary of diplomatic relations between Germany and Israel. So this film is about Hannah, who goes to Israel to basically find herself. And what she finds is a very kind of mixed history that she doesn't fully understand. She's inherited it, uh, but it's about going to a kibbutz and working on a kibbutz. And what is it like to find yourself in a different country, which of course, those of us that travel know that sometimes you have to travel to figure out where you came from. And that's what this story is about. Well put. Now we just, we have short time. I love the concept of farewell Baghdad, colon, the dove flyer. Can you give us 15 seconds on that? Cause we have a limited. Absolutely. Time. I'll try to be short. It's I'm very passionate about these films, obviously, but this I is a it. film really about the amazing long history of Jews in Iraq. But what happened of course, is that Jews were exiled from most Middle Eastern countries and fled. But this film was shot mostly in Israel, but it is about, and it was in the Arab-Israqi Arab dialect that most Jews spoke in that country. It is a beautiful lyrical film, and I really think everybody will enjoy seeing uh, the history recreated. And the art dealer. You know, the art dealer is a, a, also a history of time travel, what happens between generations in France. And of course, many of us are listening to the news these days about what's happening in France, but many of us forget that there is also a, a troubled history of France was a place and a refuge for many countries and many people. Uh, and in, in this case, it was Jews from the Holocaust. And it's about art and what happens, uh, you know, the art that we've all grown to love uh, of the world that uh, came out of that era and uh, and a family that is troubled by that history uh, and in France. So it's about Pam an inner... Yep, go ahead. 
I just want to give the website. Pamela Levitt is the director of the Seattle Jewish Film Festival. It's coming up March 14th to the 22nd. The URL for the website is rather long, so uh, Janet, my producer, has posted it on our face, my Facebook fan page. It's Rudy Max at Travel Leisure. You'll find it there. Uh, Pamela, any, this obviously the public is invited. Uh, they go online, buy tickets. Is that the deal? Yep, buy tickets. You can buy a ticket as cheap as $5, teens, or sometimes $6, $10, $12. You can buy a pass and support the festival for up to 250 but we just hope everybody will step in, step in the waters and come down for 10 to $12, which is a regular price of a film. Thank you, Pamela. Appreciate it. And uh, again, welcome to all our listeners in Seattle. I'm Cairo Radio, KIRO. Nice to have you aboard. When we come back, we're going to meet an expert on how companies build habit-forming products and why you might be tipping more than you normally would thanks to clever technology. Connect with America's number one travel radio show by calling 800-387-8025 or follow the program at RudyMaxa.com. We'll be right back. I don't like sit-down dinners, I don't go to sit-down strikes. I like standing room only, and I don't ride bikes. This Pretty Bad song is by a guy with pretty bad hemorrhoids. He needs Preparation H relief with the power of two. First, use fast-acting Preparation H medicated wipes, then longer-lasting Preparation H maximum strength cream. Let's sit together on the porch swing. Preparation H. Don't stand for hemorrhoids. Use is directed. And try specially formulated medicated wipes for women. If you've got aches, pains, and soreness, it could be chronic inflammation. Listen to what Dave has to say about relief factor. I was in a sawmill accident and suffered with pain and discomfort for 60 years. I heard about relief factor and decided to order it. And in four days, I was walking without a limp and without pain. I am thrilled. For more information about Relief Factor and the two-week quick start for just $19.95, go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. This is a special alert to consumers who owe back taxes to the IRS. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing during the decline in the U.S. economy, the Internal Revenue Service is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers on back taxes, resulting in back taxes reduced by thousands of dollars. An open phone line has been established by Federal Tax Relief for consumers to call and see if you qualify for this reduction to ensure your financial stability during this decline in the economy. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call 1-800-237-2199. That's 1-800-237-2199. If you owe back taxes to the IRS, there is no need to fear anymore. The IRS is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers, resulting in tax debts reduced by thousands of dollars. For your free information and to see if you qualify for your reduction, call the Federal Tax Relief Hotline 1-800-237-2199. 1-800-237-2199. That's 1-800-237-2199. To connect with the program, call 800-387-8025. That's 800-387-8025. Or visit the show online at rudymaxa.com. Welcome back to Rudy Max's World. And this hour of Rudy Max's World is brought to you by TriCalm. Whether you travel or not, do you experience dead, dry skin? Between cold weather and dry cabin air on planes, it's a recipe for dry, uncomfortable skin. TriCalm works to soothe these skin irritations. A recent clinical study showed TriCalm is five times more effective at reducing itch than 1% hydrocortisone. And it's backed by an itch-free guarantee. If that doesn't work, simply mail the tube back for a refund. If you have dry, irritated winter skin, pick up some TriCalm. 
easy to travel with. It comes in a two-ounce tube, perfect for your carry-on. You can find Tricalb in the white, Tricalm, excuse me, in the white and blue box and the anti-itch aisle at Walgreens, Walmart, and CVS Pharmacies. Well, we're in a digital era. We all know that from the phones we carry to the computers. we Just about everything we do, whether we're in an ATM or filling up our car with gas. Um, I'd like to join, uh, I'd like to ask to join, I'm delighted to have a join, a best-selling author of a book called Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products. His name is Nir Ayal, and he uh, has studied the effect of some of these digital um, uh, products on our lives, one of which is you're probably tipping more than you did before certain things were invented. Nir, I'm delighted to have you in the show. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's start with with this idea of well, first of all, the good thing about digital, as you point this out in a piece you did that I read on uh, on LinkedIn, and I'm sure is on your website, which is I'll give the website out uh, in a few moments, um, which is there is a certain amount of convenience associated with the digital revolution and how we can pay by just sliding a credit card in. Correct. Right. That's absolutely correct. And what we're seeing is that many of these uh, devices that have made it so much easier to do these behaviors have also made the likelihood of doing those behaviors uh, much more likely to occur. So what we're seeing is that because of these digital paying tools, people are paying more, they're, they're, they're tipping more, and they're tipping more frequently. And that, of course, is not an accident. That is precisely by design. Let's talk about a couple of those designs. Let's talk about the taxi cab where you pay with your credit or debit card and you see on the screen your total and you punch and you, you, know, you approve the total. And then it offers you a choice of three different tipping levels, yes? Right, right. So, you know, in, in many respects, this is a very good thing because, you know, service workers deserve to be tipped. That's a significant source of how they make their income. And so what we're finding is that these digital payment systems are uh, getting people who would otherwise not tip, uh, who would maybe forget or maybe conveniently uh, forget. Uh, it's getting them to actually tip more because what it's done is made not tipping a default choice. So it used to be when you paid before, you would just you know, give the person some cash, and then that would be it. You could leave the table, the restaurant, uh, and be on your way, and you could say, oops, I forgot to tip. But now, with these digital payment systems, not tipping is a choice, right? It says no tip. You have to hit the no tip button. Right. You have to actually tell to the world you're not tipping, right? <laughs> exactly. So that's called the power of defaults. The fact that mm. you have a default choice, which is easier to make uh, than not making that choice, means you're more likely to do the easier decision, which is to tip. Okay, so so you've got the power of default, which has you thinking about tipping whether you want to or not, because you got to make a conscious choice to say no, and nobody wants to do that and be a cheapskate. Right. But now you have three cat, three different percentage levels, and how has that driven up? I think in your article you mentioned the New York Taxi Cab Commission found out people were tipping thirty eight percent more than they exactly. used to because of this technology. So how does how does that happen? Yeah, yeah. So that was actually an Iowa State study, but the, the New York oh. Taxi Cab uh, Authority did determine that, that uh, tipping went up significantly when these interfaces were, were implemented in taxi cabs. What's happening is it's using what's called the anchoring effect. The anchoring effect says that we, uh, we, we, we reduce the cognitive load, we reduce the thinking that's required when we kind of tell people what the tipping amount should be in this instance. So, for example, when you get into a taxi cab, and you take your ride, you're about to get out of the taxi cab, they show you three tipping options, 15, 20, and 25. This is at least in New York City. Well, it turns out that the tipping convention, if you, if you talk to uh, you know, Miss Manners or experts in this field of you know, what's the appropriate tip amount for a taxi cab, well, it turns out to be between 5 and 10%. 
Yeah, I always so, I always grew up with ten percent for taxi right. drivers. Exactly, ten percent for taxi drivers is is a is a very decent tip. But of course, in this case, the cheapskate option is fifteen percent. <laughs> so what we're doing is showing folks: look, you know, if you want to be cheap, pay fifteen. If you want to be middle of the road, twenty. And if you're if if you're a high roller, then twenty five. Well, of course, twenty five percent tip for a taxi cab is is very very high. Right. <laughs> and so what what they've done is by anchoring by showing people twenty five is the high and twenty is the middle. Right, twenty. In these three choices, twenty is the middle choice. They're nudging people to give more. That's exactly what we've seen. Unbelievable. That it, well, psychologically, it works. Right now, you can choose to leave seven percent. Right, but you've got that's that's a lot more complicated than just exactly. hitting fifteen, about, twenty, or twenty-five. Right. Think about all the steps. So you could either push one button, fifteen, right. twenty, or twenty-five, or you could push other the other tip amount button. That's one click, and then you got to type in how much you want to give. That's probably three or four more clicks. And so you know you're you're you want to get out of the cab and get yeah. to your meeting, which you're probably late for. You're just going to push one of the default buttons. Yeah, it's cold. You're late for your meeting. It's raining. You just want to get out of there. Hit hit the twenty percent. And again, if you hit fifteen percent, are you a cheapskate? You know, no, you don't want to do that. So right, right, right. <laughs> and and to be clear, you know this this isn't a, you know this isn't highway robbery. This isn't fraud. This is right. all legitimate. This is all above board. The thing is, what I want people to realize. Is that uh, that their decisions are not a hundred percent their own? In this case, we're we're, we're psychologically manipulating people when, when uh, people do these kind of default decisions, when they make these interfaces that in, that that make one decision more likely than the other. And so that what I hope people can do is kind of to be smart consumers here, is to understand: look, this is by design. This is this is intended to make me behave a certain way, so that you can make your own choice on how much you want to tip. My guest is Nir Il. He spells his name Nir N I R, and his website is Nir N I R, nearandfar.com. So Nir is spelled N I R. It's all one word, nearandfar.com. And I think uh, if you go there, you will find other interest. This article is there, Nir. Yes. That's right. Yes. Okay. You've got to read this piece. He's also the author of a book called Hooked: How to Build Habit-Forming Products, and you blog about the psychology of products at your website, Nir and Far. Dot com. Now let's turn our attention to restaurants, where of course tipping is is a big part of the deal, and fifteen percent used to be the basic. And and I, I think I have a feeling, and you probably have thought about this more than I have, that more and more the European or the, really European, Asian, South American, where they bring the the handheld unit to your table, so they never take your credit card away from you. Mm-hmm. And again, they hand you these things. And again, I think you almost have that taxicab thing of which of a of a button to push. And I I bet that's going to be a growing trend in the states. Yeah, it's very interesting. So we, we, there's actually been some studies that show that when the waiter or the server hangs Standing around. Standing there, right. <laughs> right. You tip more. Uh, there's even been a study that showed that if the, if the server touches you, if they yes. put their hand on your, on, yes. on your shoulder, you also tip more. Yes, I have read that. That's just fascinating. Of course, to, to, to have you insert your credit card in the device they're holding, they have to stand there, and then you sign right. it right there. And, exactly. Uh, and even if it's not that, even if it's not digital yet, w- these days when I get a restaurant bill, at the bottom there's a helpful 15 percent, 20, 25. They show you the numbers, so you don't really have to think about it and whether to include the tax or not, which it is, by the way, when in those yep. in those scenarios. So, so as you say, we're sort of being psychologically game, sort of pushing. They're daring us to be great. <laughs> Great in their eyes. I mean, that's that's true. I mean, it's, and it's all around the same principle around cognitive load uh, that we need to be very careful about any time 
that someone is trying to help us think less. And that's exactly what these, these mechanisms are doing. And sometimes that's very helpful. Don't get me wrong. I think it's very nice when uh, they have done the math for me. But of course, you know, as, as you mentioned, they're doing the math their way uh, and they're showing <laughs> you the defaults that they want you to, to believe. So they don't show you, you know, 10, 15, 20. They show you 15, 20, 25. Right, right. Have you seen that in other things other than, uh, I mean, I guess you study this. Have you seen it in other things that touch our lives every day? Sure. I mean, so what I primarily study is how technology changes our behaviors and how technology creates new habits. And so when you talk about cognitive load, when you talk about how do you reduce the amount of thinking that someone has to do to make it more likely for that behavior to occur, I mean, I think some of the best examples are, are uh, around these devices that we carry with us every day. So I, I spend a lot of time studying what makes products like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest and uh, all these websites that have somehow come out of nowhere over the past few years. Uh, they, were, they were thought of as these toys, as these you know, easily dismissed features of somebody else's product. And then within the blink of an eye, these companies are worth billions of dollars and uh, <laughs> they're touching hundreds of millions, if not billions of people's lives. And much of what makes these products so habit-forming uh, is that they, they use a lot of these same, uh, these same techniques in the design of their products. And, so and making I would the think, products, I would yeah. think uh, we just have 10 seconds left. I do want to make this point, though. I was thinking with Apple Pay and Google Pay, again, it's almost like casino chips. You're not really giving them cash. Right. You're just flashing your iPhone real fast. Absolutely right. And the casino example couldn't be more apt because this is exactly the same technique that the casinos use. They don't let you put cash in the machine. They convert the, the cash into points that are kind of these virtual monopoly money. Yeah, it doesn't, you don't feel it coming out of your wallet. Near Ayal is my guest. He's a fascinating author. His book is called Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products. Visit his website, near, N-I-R, all one word, near and, spelled out, nearandfar.com. Near, fascinating. I could talk to you about it all this day, but I could talk to you about all day this, but thank you. Join Rudy Max's world by calling 800-387-8025. Access the show anytime at RudyMaxa.com. We're coming right back. Data knows you love posting selfies. Others might see a reflective surface, but you see an opportunity. Like right now, you just caught a glimpse of yourself and you like what you see, and you're thinking everyone else would probably like it too. Go ahead, you've got more data and you're paying less with Boost Mobile. For only $35 a month, you can take your selfie game to the next level. Parked car window, click selfie. Person wearing sunglasses, click selfie. Anything shiny, don't mind if you do. You, my friend, have no selfie control. And data's okay with that. Come to data. Now get unlimited talk, text, and two and a half gigabytes of high-speed data for $35 a month after you sign up on Auto Reboost. Only from Boost Mobile. Enrollment in Auto Reboost required at activation. Removal of Auto Reboost increases plan costs to $45 a month. Video streaming limited to 3G speeds. After applicable data allotment reach, data speeds reduced to 2G speeds for remainder of plan cycle. State and local sale taxes may apply. Restrictions apply. Lines are always open at 800 387 8025 and stay connected with the program at rudymaxa.com. Now, back to Rudy Max's World. Welcome back to Rudy Max's World. It's 33 minutes after the hour. There's a new book that just came out in the last week. It's written by David Susi. He is a 
um, aviation safety specialist. He was with the Federal Aviation Administration for 30 years of experience uh, as an inspector, an accident investigator. He's worked on in the cockpit, on the hangar floor, within the aviation boardroom. He's the author of a book called Safer Skies. But he's got a new book out. It's called Malaysia Airlines Flight 370, subtitled Why It Disappeared and Why It's Only a Matter of Time Before This Happens Again. I will note that David just told me that we're just a few weeks away from one year anniversary of that plane disappearing. It seems like only yesterday. David, welcome to the show. Your title almost says it all, but let's start first with the beginning of your subtitle, which is Why It Disappeared. Why do you think that does that imply you have a theory about why it disappeared? Well, I do have a theory about why it disappeared, and not to be confused with what actually happened on board the aircraft, because those are two distinctly, distinctly different things. One is that uh, there, I believe that there was a fire or that the aircraft was commandeered. One of those two things has to be the answer. But more importantly, why it disappeared, uh, even if something did happen on board that aircraft or it was commandeered, why do we not know where it is now? Right. Lack of radar coverage, I gather, or, or rapid communication or consistent communication. Well, that, you know, that's part of it. That's a good part of it. But uh, I think more, if you look even deeper into this, it may be even a more systemic type problem. And that is that after Air France 447, which was four or five years ago, some recommendations were made so that this never happens again. Well, those recommendations still haven't been enacted. So to me, that actually indicates that maybe we're not even able to to put a safety feature in play, even when it's definitely warranted. But it's technologically possible, isn't it? It's not the technology, it's the expense and weight and getting everybody on board. Is that a fair summation? Absolutely it is. It's exactly that. Um, the uh, There is some expense with putting this forward, but even at that, the Inmarsat over in the U.K. has agreed to actually provide free flight tracking for all the airlines, yet there are still some that don't have it. Are there some that do? Most do in the United States. Almost every one of them do in the United States. But that's just in-flight tracking. What would be even more useful, why could we not get this... Um, these these improvements out there, even though they're right. free. And so at this point, there's other things that can be done as well, which is the streaming of live information. So for example, we may not have communication verbally, but we would know whether the engines had failed, whether the pressurization system had failed, or whatever else might be the case. We would know that, and we would know exactly where the aircraft is located when it did go down, if it did. And I'm sure you've talked to people in the aviation business, and what do they tell you about why four years after the Air France, that Air France flight that disappeared uh, um, off the coast of South America, which was eventually found, but wh wh why don't we have, uh, why hasn't the technology on the planes caught up with what is available? Well, partly it's because of the process by which you have to go through to get a safety advancement. Uh, re regulated or mandated. And in the international community, the only thing that they have that's even close to that is a, a group from the United Nations, which is called the International Civil Aviation Organization. And ICAO is a group of um, countries that got together and they have membership on this in this group. And what the ICAO does is set standards and practices and says, if you're going to be a member of our group, you're going to, you're going to make sure that you meet these standards and practices. Well, that's not very it doesn't have a lot of teeth you know right. you're basically saying yeah we agree we're all we're all agreeing and doing this but when it comes down to are you going to spend a hundred million dollars on a safety improvement for something that may never be used you know this uh this technology is important when it needs to be there 
but when it doesn't need to be there, it's just basically added weight and added expense. How much for to put it on one plane? Is it is it 100 million for an airline or your airlines generally? No, no, in the, in, in the general uh, area it would be, but typically it's about uh, between 40 and 50 thousand dollars worth of equipment and and, uh, and to put on labor. the aircraft. Yeah. But now remember, a lot of the aircraft, most of the aircraft already have that equipment on board. It's just a matter of activating it or uh, signing up with a different subscription service than they currently have. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm frustrated hearing it's that within that much, that close of reach. Mm-hmm. It is. And, uh, you know, the there just simply is no mechanism by which a regulatory body can say, Look, this is the level of safety we're going to have across the across the entire world, and force some of these uh, lesser air carriers to meet that standard with any kind of teeth. They're just uh, the FAA could do it in the United States, right? Absolutely, and they have. You know, there's a next gen program. Yeah, yeah, I've been hearing about it for years. Yeah, yeah, you've heard about next gen for years. Right. But really, what uh, has held that up is the sequestering of money from from the government and from our from our. government budget and uh, you know you you get it approved but yet that doesn't mean that the money's actually obligated for that program a whole another ball of wax in the 15 seconds we have left is that aircraft ever going to be found in your estimation i'll tell you day by day they've searched um you know square miles there's 18,000 more to go but it just every day that goes by i just get less and less optimistic David Susi is the author of a brand new book called Malaysia Airlines Flight 370, Why It Disappeared and Why It's Only a Matter of Time Before This Happens Again. It's published by Sky Horse Publishing. He is an aviation safety expert. I would heartily recommend that you pick it up. Thank you so much, David, for joining us today. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure, Rudy. Oh, fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. Listen, when we come back, we're going to talk about bees and airports. You may not think they mix, but they're mixing very well all around the world. Don't go away. You're in Rudy Max's world. Rudy Max's world phone lines are open anytime. So call us at 800-387-8025. And so is the website at rudymaxa.com. Stay with us. We're coming right back after these messages. If you've got aches, pains, and soreness, it could be chronic inflammation. Listen to what Georgia has to say about relief factor. Over the years, I've had several injuries. I have had lots of pain, and it's been hard for me to exercise. Now, I'm much more active, so I'm losing weight, and I feel better. I would recommend it to anyone. For more information about Relief Factor and the two-week quick start for just $19.95, go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. The 2015 Cupera features plush leather seating that will feel to your hemorrhoids like sitting on lava-hot knitting needles. Not if you step up to relief with the power of two from Preparation H. First, use Preparation H medicated wipes to soothe as they clean. Then, Preparation H maximum strength cream to relieve pain and burning. Now, sink into that rich upholstery. Mmm, luxurious. Preparation H. Don't stand for hemorrhoids. Use directed. And try specially formulated medicated wipes for women. Data knows you love posting selfies. Others might see a reflective surface, but you see an opportunity. Like right now, you just caught a glimpse of yourself and you like what you see. And you're thinking everyone else would probably like it too. 
Go ahead, you've got more data and you're paying less with Boost Mobile. For only $35 a month, you can take your selfie game to the next level. Parked car window. Click selfie. Person wearing sunglasses. Click selfie. Anything shiny? Don't mind if you do. You, my friend, have no selfie control. And data's okay with that. Come to data. Now get unlimited talk, text, and two and a half gigabytes of high-speed data for $35 a month after you sign up on Auto Reboost. Only from Boost Mobile. Enrollment and Auto Reboost required at activation. Removal of Auto Reboost increases plan costs to $45 a month. Video streaming limited to 3G speeds. After applicable data allotment reached, data speeds reduced to 2G speeds for remainder of plan cycle. State and local sales taxes may apply. Restrictions apply. This is a special alert to consumers who owe back taxes to the IRS. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing during the decline in the U.S. economy, the Internal Revenue Service is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers on back taxes, resulting in back taxes reduced by thousands of dollars. An open phone line has been established by Federal Tax Relief for consumers to call and see if you qualify for this reduction to ensure your financial stability during this decline in the economy. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call one 800 That's 1-800-237-2199. If you owe back taxes to the IRS, there is no need to fear anymore. The IRS is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers, resulting in tax debts reduced by thousands of dollars. For your free information and to see if you qualify for your reduction, call the Federal Tax Relief Hotline. 1-800-237-2199. 1-800-237-2199. That's 1-800-237-2199. To participate in the program, call anytime, 800-387-8025, or log on to RudyMaxa.com. Once again, you're in Rudy Maxa's world. 43 minutes after the hour, I'm trying to avoid all kinds of puns, like there's a buzz around some airports. Listen, I teased it before the commercial break, bees in airports. It turns out airports are fairly nice places for bees to grow up. And I know this because a New York-based freelance journalist wrote a a very fascinating piece in the New York Times. Her name is Danielle, excuse me, Danielle Berteau. And she wrote a fascinating piece about um, bees and airports. What is the symbiotic relationship, uh, Danielle, between bees and airports? It's not something that comes to mind to me quickly until I read your piece, of course. (laughs) Um, Well, that's true. Um, Most of it has to do with just free space, because airports have a lot of free space. You know, if you're doing a final uh, descent into an airport and you see all that greenery, by law, that can't be used at all. It can't be built on. And so there are many beekeepers who need space for hives, and it's just sort of a natural fit. And this is in a time when the so-called collapse of colonies, this has been going on for years now, and scientists don't know if it's due to pesticides or what, but there is a need for bees, lest we not have many fresh fruits or vegetables to eat, to put it mildly. That's right. I mean, colony collapse disorder has actually been around for a while, but it really became serious in around 2006. And no one really knows why. There are some indications certain pesticides might be contributing. And, um, you know, so people are very concerned that we're not going to have enough honeybees to actually pollinate, which means, you're right, no fresh fruits and vegetables would be a major economic problem. And so um, there are a lot of organizations out there right now that are, you know, just putting hives where they can and, and sort of ushering bees through this time. Actually, 
indications are right now that colony collapse might be on the wane and we're looking at some healthier bee populations. Well, I hope so. Before we get to the latest installation, uh, which you wrote about, let's step back a little and look at the history, which I gather began in 1999 in Germany. And it's now, they're now like half a dozen German airports that uh, are part of this program, I understand. That's right. And really, they did it pretty much to use the bee products, the honey and the um, wax as you know the biomarkers. They test them in a lab to see what kind of pollution are, are, is around the airports. Um, and actually, surprisingly, I suppose, um, a lot of them are testing that the airport environmental pollution isn't actually that bad. So that's good. Really? The huh. ones, yeah, the ones in the States, um, none of the ones I know of at this time are, are actually doing that. This is more of a, a social movement in a way. Um, for example, the one at O'Hare, that's a nonprofit that's actually a job training program for people who've recently been released from prison. So uh, the one in um, Copenhagen as well, that's also a nonprofit job training for the homeless and for new immigrants. And so there's also the social aspect as well. And then those products get sold in the gift shops at the actual terminals. That is great. Now, when you say it's it's a work training program, are, are, are these folks in Copenhagen and at Chicago O'Hare training to be beekeepers? Um, for example, in Chicago, some of them are, but that's okay. an entire production because the company is called Sweet Beginnings. Their products, though, are the label Be Love, and their personal care products like moisturizers. So it's really from bee to on the shelf for the consumers. They're learning about production and they're learning about you know putting together a consumer care product and, and getting it out there for us to buy. So it's really more than just the bees. That's sort of the start of it, but it's the entire process. That's fascinating. I didn't. I didn't know it went to other levels other than than using the open space for the good of the bees, and in some cases, as you say, actually uh, creating retail uh, honey products in sale at the airport. Sure. Uh, is it your piece where you mentioned how many bees it takes to make like an eighth of a teaspoon of of honey? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like two hundred or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> you know an entire bee's lifetime. That's how much they're making, and that's constant work. So, oh. um, and and you know also they have a relatively short lifespan. I mean, they are insects. So yeah, when you look at a a really good jar of honey and you might think, wow, that's kind of expensive for that honey. When you think about the amount of work that goes into that, both on the insect and human side, it puts it into some, some context. You're absolutely right. I mean, since I read your piece, I have actually been slathering some honey on my toast. And I go, whoa, that's a lot of honey. That's a lot of, <laughs> lot of bees. You can read Janet's article. Excuse me. Excuse me. You can read Danielle's article because Janet has posted it on my Facebook page. There's a link to her New York Times piece, and you can read other articles by uh, Danielle if you go to her website. It's Danielle, traditional spelling, D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E. Her last name Berto is spelled French, B-E-U-R-T-E-A-U-X. Again, there'll be a link at uh, uh, Facebook fan page Rudy Travel and Leisure, and you'll see the correct spelling of Danielle, and you can go to her website as well. Danielle, great article. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you so much. Interesting. I love anything that helps bees. I, I mean, I, I have a lot of love for bees. There are, without hands down, there are friends, and I, I hope they thrive and that they're doing it at airports. Nice twist. Stick around. We'll be right back. We'll talk about the Testicle Festival coming up next. To participate in the program and have some fun, call 800-387-8025 or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. We're coming right back.
To join Rudy Max's world, call anytime, 800-387-8025. Follow the program on Facebook at Rudy Max's World. Now back to America's number one travel radio show. Welcome. It's 52 minutes after the hour. I'm Rudy Maxa. You can grow it, you can smoke it, but you can't buy or sell it. That, in brief, is the short version of our nation's capital's new laws that partially legalized marijuana last Thursday in Washington. It's now legal to grow several of your own marijuana plants in your home, not outside, in your home, and you may light up and share your stash, but you can't sell to anyone and you can't buy marijuana in D.C., Now, if you're planning on visiting a friend in D.C. this year who has his or her own little garden, remember, it's illegal to smoke dope on federal land, such as the Ellipse, or around national monuments. I mean, I don't know, something like, seems to me, having lived there for 40 years, it's like half the city is uh, federal ground, and it's an exaggeration. It's not, but certainly places where tourists go. So don't walk around with a joint because you, uh, that does not come under the purview of being legal. Um, Non-residents might not know this, but various congressional committees hold a whole lot of power over D.C., and this new liberal law is not sitting well with some members of Congress who oversee the district's budget. This uh, all would happen because of a voter's uh, referendum, um, which have made these new rules, but you can bet there's going to be a congressional move to halt what appears to be a trend toward legalizing uh, marijuana in the nation's capital. Well, Things are about to start happening down there in Virginia City, uh, Nevada. March 14th, to be exact, is the beginning of their annual, well, what do you call it, Denny Dotson? What's the official name for this event? Uh, greetings, uh, Rudy, from northern Nevada. We call it the Rocky Mountain Oyster Fry. All right. And, uh, and WAGs call it the Testicle Festival because Rocky Mountain Oysters are? They are actually bull testicles. Okay. And this festival, I was reading about it. I didn't know there were that many ways to prepare bull testicles, uh, Denny, but there seems to be, I mean, look, everything tastes good. I mean, I'll eat my wallet if you deep fat fry it, <laughs> but you can also do them up in a skillet. There's all kinds of ways to do it. You can you can almost do it sushi style, although I'm trying to imagine that. Uh, tell me about your history with, uh, with uh, these Rocky Mountain oysters. Uh, Rudy, we've been doing uh, cooking up these uh, tasty testies for over 24 years, and folks serve them up in uh, all different ways, as you mentioned, from fried, chopped, barbecued. Uh, they saute them. They put them in on a pizza. They wrap them uh, in jalapeno, uh, with wrap them with bacon on jalapeno uh, peppers. Uh, you name it. Uh, people get very creative and have a lot of fun with it. Well, paint me a picture of this event. Is this down Main Street? Is this here in fairgrounds? I mean, do people, I know guests, I mean, visitors come in from all over the country, but are there chefs from all over the country, or is this just a local four or five restaurants? I would say it's a, a regional event, uh, Rudy, but we do draw people in from, um, you know, obviously California and, and parts of Utah. Uh, we've got a large Basque presence there in, in uh, northern Nevada, and it really stemmed over the last 24 years of uh, just coming together with, uh, we do get some local folks like uh, Buffalo Wild Wings will be attending the event this year. And uh, they, they come up with uh, fun fun ways to present their, their product. Uh, they all dress up. Uh, we, we add a saloon crawl to it, if, if you will, a uh, ball breaker saloon crawl with all of our 15 saloons there in Virginia City, just about a one mile track. Uh, old wooden boardwalk, historic town, lots of, uh, lots of history there. I mean, this is an old mining town, but did you say you have a large Basque community? There is a large bass community in uh, northern Nevada, correct. And how did that evolve? Were they miners? Just uh, back back in the day, no, they were uh, they ranchers with uh, the largest sheep and, and cattle and whatnot. I see. Okay. And where do where do all these uh, these Rocky Mountain oysters come from? I mean, is there a huge industry there with bull in bulls in in northern Nevada? 
No, we, we, we order them through, you know, a food service company to, to get their, probably the best deal on them. Uh, but uh, in the day, the uh, folks, the ranching folks would uh, take them from their own stock, uh, which they still do today, and, uh, you know, serve them up all different types of ways. It's, uh, again, was very popular with the Basque and uh, just a natural to mix it in with a little um, um, Irish flair, if you will, for St. Patrick's Day. And uh, it makes for a great festival. Uh, Virginia City, again, established in the 1859s with the big mining boom. And ever since then, we've been, you know, relied on history with a lot of special events and, um, and, and culture mixed in. Well, the Rocky Mountain Oyster Festival does uh, coincide with St. Patrick's Day at March 14th uh, um, and in, in Virginia City, Nevada. And I'm looking at one of the news. 20 cooks are competing. This has been going on for 24 years, by the way. This isn't some, something somebody thought of yesterday. 24 years has been happening. 20 cooks are going to compete to serve uh, these uh, fried, chopped, grilled, or sautéed cow testicles. Um, cooks compete. Here are the categories. Best overall taste, best presentation, best booth, best team name, as well as bragging rights to the best Rocky Mountain oyster cook in the West. But best presentation, how many ways can you present these things? Well, you'd be amazed. Uh, a lot of folks, um, they get creative with it, and they get a little risque sometimes. You can imagine some of the uh, the spin-off that you could do with the testicles. I'm trying and, not uh, to. They, <laughs> they, have, they, they have fun with it. Uh, they present it, and the public judges it. Uh, we, do have, we do have judges, but the public has input on it as well. And uh, we have a big award ceremony uh, just after the parade, which we have down the main street there at uh, Straight Up Noon on uh, in right, Virginia City. Right. And uh, it's it just it was for great fun. And we have a lot of Irish music playing, and uh, each one of the the uh, saloons, if you will, uh, you know, one of the most unique places that probably in America where you could walk into any saloon there in Virginia City and really step back in time. The old uh, the the um, articulate bars, the the murals on the back of the wall. Uh, a lot of the old uh, photographs, the way the town used to look, and, and still does look. Uh, America. Denny, America's a great country. Denny Dodson's the director of tourism for Virginia City, Nevada. March 14th is the annual testicle festival there, the Rocky, Rocky Mountain Oyster Fry. Check it out. We'll have a link on my Facebook fan page. Thank you to Jeff Ryder, my engineer, to uh, Janet Acevedo McDonald, my executive producer, and to you, our listeners. See you next weekend. Listening to Rudy Max's World, America's number one travel radio show on the SSI Radio Network.